Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth that comes down to us from Jesus Christ and the apostles over 2,000 years. We here at Catholic Truth, we want to help you to know your faith, love your faith, and live your faith with purpose and passion, and even be able to defend it. And as you know, we have videos on all different topics, on apologetics, spirituality, love and relationships, and more. But sometimes on our shows, we have guests who are experts in their field, or who have written books, or who have conversion stories to the Catholic Church. Church, and today we have exactly one of those. Uh, joining us today is Emily, and she is a 19-year-old uh, Catholic convert. She has converted to the Catholic faith from a non-denominational Christian background. Uh, wait, this can't be true. I mean, the Catholic Church is dead. Everybody says it. The young people have left. No, but no, there's no young people in the church. This can't be true. Oh, wait. Yeah, it is true. There's lots of people coming to the church. There's lots of people converting. And there's lots of people who know their faith and are on fire for their faith at a young age. And Emily is just one of them. And she runs a TikTok account. And that's where she is a Christian Catholic influencer. And she has almost 40,000 subscribers. And she's reaching many, many people with the Catholic faith. And she's going to be sharing her story of how exactly she came to the Catholic Catholic Church, and of all the religions in the world, why Catholic? So welcome to our show, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, every time I see your videos, you're debunking another Protestant. <laughs> I just see, you know, like someone is like, oh, I think the denominations are a good thing. You know, I think that we should all just like, you know, just get along and pretend there's no differences, basically. And you're like, yeah, no. And so then you go on and answer him. Other people are like, oh, Catholics worship Mary. And you're like, yeah, no. And here's why you're wrong. You know, so you're actually doing a good job answering a lot of people's questions on uh, on TikTok, which is very, it's an interesting platform where people are very hostile. People are very aggressive. It's, I feel like it's a lot less intellectual than most platforms. Most people, they just want to like call names, insult you, laugh at you rather than give substantive uh, responses. But even before we get to your uh, TikTok, which, you know, happy to talk about, and you can let me know, you know, how that's going. I kind of want to talk about you and how you ended up uh, in the Catholic Church of all places, because you weren't Catholic, and I believe you weren't even really a practicing Christian for a while. Do you want to, you know, start us out? Like, what were you? How did you grow up? Yeah. So, um, growing up, um, my parents are divorced, and so when uh, my mom remarried, she they would take us occasionally to like a Baptist or a non-denominational church when I was like seven years old, and so I grew up like on and off going to one of those type of churches on Sundays. Um, they gave me a Bible. And so me as like a little eight-year-old, I would try to read through through the Old Testament and read through the Bible. Um, but obviously I wasn't understanding much. And so that's kind of how it was for a big chunk of my life. Um, and then as I was around, you know, I would have called myself a Christian if you asked me if I believed in God or was religious. Um, and then as I got older, like 13 years old-ish, kind of, um, isn't really that old, but I kind of started to depart a, a lot from like how I used to live and um, kind of how I perceived the world and stuff like that. I still would have said I was a Christian, but I just was not living like the virtuous life that Christ calls us to live. Um, and I wasn't going to church and stuff like that. So it wasn't until I was about like 14 years old, I was invited to a non-denominational church from my sister's friends. Um, and I had never gone to like a Wednesday youth night type thing. I'd only gone on to church on Sundays. So, um, once I started going to this youth night, 
I, I, it started out as just a social thing. I was like, okay, my sister's going, I guess, I guess I'll go and I'll kind That's of- That's all they uh, get you in. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's pretty <laughs> clever. It's pretty clever, it not going to lie. You're good because, at it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and then after about a year of going, I just finally, I didn't like going because I think I realized, I was just realizing that I was claiming to be Christian and claiming to be a part of you know this group but I just was not reflecting its values at all. And I didn't like that. I didn't, I knew that it was wrong, but I still wanted, wanted to kind of like teeter totter on claiming both sides. Um, and then I just realized I couldn't do that anymore. And so, um, right before I went into high school that summer, right before that was when I really started to commit myself to Christ. And I was like, okay, I need to stop, you know, pretending to be a Christian and claiming to be one, but not truly following the Bible. Um, and so I committed myself to, you know, read the Bible, go to church and take this seriously. Um, and so that's what I did for about three and a half years. And then, um, right when I got into my senior year of high school, that's when I met a Catholic and started getting introduced into kind of what you talked about earlier, the denominations. That's kind of my view. I didn't really understand denominations at, when I was a non-denominational. I didn't know just how divided Christianity is specifically in Protestantism. And so when I started meeting all these different Christians in general, not just Catholics who all disagree theologically, I was like, I was like blown away because I didn't realize that's how bad, how bad it was. And so that's when I started looking at a theology and taking that seriously. Um, and yeah, then I decided to convert. So we can get more into that if you have questions, but. Yeah. Um, now, did you like your non-denominational church after you got into it? You know, was it the kind of non-denominational Nation. I guess I should say, what kind of non-denominational church was it? Like, was it the kind where they're just kind of chill, or did they have like you know the the hands in the air and the hallelujahs, or or they have like kind of? I've been to some where they had like all women come, like seven women come out in gold sparkly suits, like they were in the '60s bands or something, with like strobe lights and like they were all like in uniform. And you know, I was like, okay, I've seen. I used to go visit different protestant denominations almost every week for like almost two years and i've seen a lot of different churches and um so like that one was interesting so i'm just wondering what flavor kind of you grew up with or you were accustomed to and whether you liked it or not yeah so the one that i went to when i was like really young was very small but the one that i got into for like the youth night and stuff like that um was like a bigger one like we had like a cafe and like a coffee shop in our church. Um, of course they did. And so, yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was pretty big and they had specifically like a high school group, um, which is what I would just be a part of. And I was pretty involved in that. Like they had like a leadership type group for like some of the students that, you know, were, I, I don't know, they saw as like leaders for the high school kids to kind of help with um, finding events and doing stuff like that. So I was part of that. I really liked it, honestly. Like the people were so kind. Um, my parents aren't like really, you know, practicing in their faith. Like I said, my mom and my stepdad, they would consider themselves like Protestant, but they don't really practice their faith. My dad even is like still an today. They don't. Yeah, even still today. And uh, my dad is like an agnostic. He didn't really like that we were going to church when we started going a lot. And so I found really like a home there because I didn't have really any, you know, family member that I could see like kind of practicing their Christian faith and stuff like that. So I really liked it. I didn't want to leave. Um, certainly didn't want to, but yeah, I mean, I think I just realized 
you know, wherever Christ is, that's where I want to be. Wherever, you know, he's calling me, I want to follow, even if, you know, I'm not comfortable or it's going to be a big drastic change, you know? Oh, would that everybody would have that attitude. Amen. Um, you know, and take note, Catholics, take note, Catholic churches, take note, priests, take note, youth ministers, like Protestants do youth ministry well. They know how to get you in. Young Life does ministry well. They know how to get you in. And um, they're not afraid to invest in the youth. I've been to so many parishes where, you know, people are like, oh, the youth are so important. And then they're like, oh, we don't have the budget for that. No, that just means they're not important. If the youth were important to you, Catholics, and to you, priests, you would find the budget, period. They're not important to you. And, you know, how many kids would come if there was a cool coffee shop and a pool table and some really cool activities to do? I mean, in my old youth groups, when I ran youth groups, we had, I actually had huge arcade games in the youth group room and like ping pong tables and stuff. And kids used to just come out and have fun, you know, and that's what they liked. And then we'd preach Christ. And I guess this is a whole nother, I'm, di you know, kind of going off on a tangent. But I digress. Um, sorry, <laughs> getting up on no, my but I I agree with you, though. I certainly agree with you because I think. Just, I know we don't need to detract too much, but I think that parishes definitely need to focus on catechizing, especially the young. Um, and that's how people will stay because there's so many people, so many Catholics I met. And this is part of why for so many years as a non-denominational, I didn't take Catholicism seriously because even though, you know, I could meet somebody who was raised Catholic or would attend mass, they did not know their faith and they didn't practice their faith that well. And so if we just had parents and parishes that like, really taught their kids well and really explain the faith to them. I think that, you know, there would be a lot more Protestants that would convert. And also there'd be so many more Catholics not leaving for Protestantism because they see, you know, a lot of sermons and stuff like that really delving into the faith where they didn't get that. So I agree with you there. And I think actually that does relate kind of okay. to this topic. Yeah. So. And I, in one of my youth groups, this girl, uh, she was great and she got set on fire for Christ and this sort of thing. And then she started going to a Protestant church, like a mega church in our town. And uh, she comes up to me and she's like, they asked me to give a speech. You know, I was like, she's like, will you read it for me? I'm like, absolutely. And it, the whole thing sounded like a rejection letter of the Catholic church. You know, it's like, oh, well, I was Catholic, but I didn't know anything. And the Catholic church doesn't do anything. But now, you know, I'm like, so I wrote this whole letter. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's like, you know, I love the Bible. I love this. I was like, where did you get the Bible? You know, where the Bible come from? And we had this whole discussion about everything the Catholic Church has done, what the Catholic Church is. She's like, wow. She's like, I didn't understand all that, you know? And if we didn't have this youth ministry program, she would be Protestant. And she kept coming to me and saying, why aren't there more youth, you know, here? And why, like, I want to get more people here. And why don't we meet every day? The Protestant churches can meet every day. And I was like, and all I wanted to say was budget, you know, like, and I was yelling at the priest and the, the, the deacon, or I wanted to yell at the priest and the deacon, I wanted to slap this letter down in their desk and say, this is the problem with you. This is the problem with the Catholic Church. You don't love the youth. You're not willing to invest in them. And again, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but like Protestants are willing to invest in their youth in Catholics. And, and, and that's a good thing. Catholics need to take note and do the same thing. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. I think that that is so important again to keep them in the faith and also to help them convert other people and explain the faith to their protestant friends because protestantism is on a rise especially this more like non-denominational type you know yeah. deal that's definitely becoming you know i don't know a lot it draws a lot of young people to that um but the problem is i don't think as an adult it retains people as well 
Um, no. Whereas, you know, if they were Catholic, you know, that wouldn't be so, so much of a problem. It's like fun for a while and it's enjoyable and everyone's so nice there and you feel like family, but it's wishy-washy most times theologically. They all disagree with each other. And it's like, and when something happens, you just go to another one. And then if that priest, if you don't agree with the pastor there, well, then you go to another one. You just find yourself church hopping to usually hop back home to the Catholic church and be like, wow, this was better than I ever thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just going to say that because like, yeah, you... If, especially as you get older and you have to like move somewhere else and then you now have to find a new church that's not like your old one and then oh the pastor doesn't teach you know what you know my old church did and they don't have the same type of i don't know they don't have the same type of theology or you know just the way that they kind of preach and stuff like that it's not the same that's what happened with me actually which i think going back to the conversion that's what you know thank God this kind of happened because I think it really helped me to ease into converting because I, uh, because of COVID, like shutting churches down, I didn't go to my non-denominational church that I'd been so connected in um, for a, a while. Like I just, I had to stop going because of COVID and then I moved. And so I had to find a new church and I attended a church and the exact same thing happened. I was like, oh, I don't think this church is biblically aligning. Um <laughs> And I don't, I don't know. So I'm not going to go to it. And so I honestly just didn't go to church for, for like months because I was like, as a non-denominational, all they have is really singing. And then they have the pastor come on stage and talk for an hour about the Bible. And I was like, well, why can't I just do that by myself? Like I can read the Bible for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Or on YouTube. Exactly. And so I didn't value, I didn't value the church, um, really because I, you know, was like, okay, I could just do this at home. What's the point? You know, we didn't take communion every week. Some non-denominational churches do, which is good. But our, my church for a while, they only took it like once a year, I think. And then they went to like wow. once a month. But even then, so it was like, there's no, I don't know. So because of that, because I wasn't so connected in a church, um, when I started learning about Catholicism and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check out going to mass and stuff like that. It wasn't as it wasn't as hard because I just didn't have all of these old connections that I used to, which, as you said earlier, I think that because a lot of problems for Protestants is sometimes they're like born into this church. They're maybe their dad's a pastor. Their family has been in this church. Totally. Yeah. And so when they think about, oh, my gosh, the Catholic Church could be true. They're like, well, I can't leave my church because they've been there since they were born, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, thank goodness. I don't know. God had that plan. And I, that was, we get me. messages at Catholic truth all the time. People like, Oh, my dad's a Baptist, you know, pastor or my, both my parents are pastors or whatever. They're like, I don't, I feel like the Catholic church is true. What should I do? And I say, you know, so, I mean, among a lot of other things I say, I always say some, sometimes it comes down to the fact that Jesus came to divide, you know, a father against his mother. This is the reading in church last Sunday. And sometimes you just have to pick up your cross and follow Christ where he think, where you think, you know, where you think he's leading, not pick up, you know, your flower garden, pick up your cross, where it's, it's going to be hard and difficult. But if you feel like Christ is leading you somewhere, you need to go. And because no parent, no church, nothing is more important than Christ. And you got to go where, you know, he, you think he leads. And you make a really good point too about, you know, well, this church doesn't seem to line up with the Bible or this pastor doesn't seem to, you know, line up biblically. And but basically, what does that mean? It means that it doesn't line up biblically to how we read the Bible, to what you know we think the Bible means. So it really is all about me, 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 me. I'm not being fed. I don't feel loved here. I don't think this is biblically aligned anymore. And we come up, I, I, I. And then when you come home to the Catholic Church, you're like, 
You could go to Africa, Australia, America, or Russia, and the Mass is celebrated the same way every time in its worship of Jesus Christ, front and center, not just, you know, a lecture, you know, after some singing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that was one thing that really drew me to the Catholic Church initially, because I didn't know that actually before I started looking into Catholicism. I didn't know that anywhere in the world, wherever Mass you go to, right? If it's the ordinary form of the Mass, it's going to be, you know, regardless right. of the language difference, it's going to be the same type of format that you'd receive anywhere else. Um, so that kind of connection, that universality, right? Um, that is what led me to, in some capacity, to think, you know, oh, this is, you know, this seems more like the church that Christ founded. Um, not this, I don't know, Protestantism as a whole is, is very divided. So it's hard to make, you know, general comments about it. But um, yeah, so that was one reason. But we can get more into the other reasons, because I think that's probably a question you have about the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually just going to ask you, you know, like, how did you first hear about Catholicism? Or how did you first decide that you, hey, maybe I need to take a second look at this? (laughs) Yeah, so this this ties into a later question. But um, really, it was someone online, which is part of the reason why I'm so active online now is because um, I met a Catholic online over discord. Um, and that's how I started learning more about theology, ca- what Catholics really believe. Um, I started debating them. That's originally why I started talking to them. Cause I was like, Oh, you I knew they were wrong. Right. I knew like, Oh, Catholics are wrong. I don't know what they believe, but I knew they were wrong. And so I started arguing with them and then, um, I realized, oh, okay, I don't really know what Catholics believe. And so that's, that caused me to humble myself and actually look into their theology. Um, which, then led me to think, oh, oh no, maybe they're right. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how it started. Let me, uh, let me just say that, well, first of all, I admire you. Number one, that you want to seek the truth wherever it's found. Number two, that you realized what you were saying wasn't true about the Catholic Church and you didn't actually understand Catholicism. And three, which was most important, and I rarely ever hear this, is that you humbled yourself and you need to say, you know what, I need to do some real research. You humbled yourself. This means three things mean that you are an intellectually honest person. You really do care about truth wherever it leads. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's what our culture is missing today. Um, you know, I argue with so many people and they just want to argue. They don't want even want to consider the fact that they're wrong and they don't want to do the research. And so I'm really glad that you did. And that's really powerful. And it's a really good witness. Um, so what happened from there? Yeah. So um, by the grace of God, I still kept looking. Um, I started looking into early church history. I think that was a big, that was a big, that was like the biggest factor, honestly, because I think I started to realize, okay, all of these people have so many different interpretations, so many different theological backgrounds um, and lenses to interpret the Bible, which one is true. And so, um, I mean, at my non-dominational church specifically, they taught me that communion was merely symbolic and that baptism was merely symbolic. And that's part of the reason, side note, but that's part of the reason I was never baptized as a non-denominational because for so long, I put it off because even though I took my faith very seriously, I was like, what's what, what's the point of being baptized when it's just this outward symbol of my faith? And, you know, I don't why do I need that to show I have faith? I've already been doing that. So that's <laughs> I mean, that was a whole thing, another thing. But 
anyway, and then I looked into the early church and I was like, okay, wow. You know, they did not believe that. They were very adamant. I mean, even now that I, now I know this, but Protestant historians um, will say that it was a unanimous consent among the early Christians that baptism is for the remission of sins, regeneration, etc. And, you know, the fact that that I saw that very clearly in the writings of the early Christians, like, yeah, they're very clear baptism is not just a symbol, but that it truly does remit sins. And that's not what my church taught me. Um, Amen. And- and- in fact, we have some of those scholars. We have a book right above me. You can't see it, but uh, by J.N.D. Kelly. He's a Protestant yeah. scholar, and he says that same thing. Yeah, J.N.D. Kelly, um, William Webster, and Philip Schaff. There are three of them that, that say that. But anyway, and so communion as well. Like They taught me it was just a s- symbolic of Christ's body and blood, which I didn't understand that as well. I remember in fifth grade um, when I was at this this church, they actually read 1 Corinthians 11 about, you know, you know, if you eat or drink the bread or the wine in an unworthy manner, um, you profane the body and blood of our Lord. And I was like, I was so confused because I'm like, this is just a cracker. They didn't even have wine. It was like a little cracker and it was a little cup of a little sip of grape juice. And so I was like, I was like, why is, how does that make sense as a little fifth grader? I didn't understand it at all. And so uh, but then learning the early Christians, okay, they really believe that the Eucharist is the true flesh of Christ, the true blood of Christ. Um, and again, my church didn't teach me that. So those were two really big things that pulled me into the Catholic Church. I got into, you know, purgatory, uh, Mariology, and stuff like that. And by the grace of God, those were easy for me to accept, um, even though some in some issues may have taken a little bit more time for me to accept. But I think a lot of the concepts just made a lot of sense to me. Like I didn't, I didn't feel so much pushback because I was like, okay, in context of what the old Testament says, I think the Catholic church like makes the old Testament come to life and make a lot more sense than it did at my non-denominational church where there's no incense. There's no um, orderly worship. There's no um, reverence even in, in a lot of capacity. Um, not that all Protestant churches are like that, but at mine specifically. Um, so anyway, all of these factors, it wasn't really one big thing. It was kind of just like taking all of these different, you know, topics into consideration and then realizing, okay, yeah, the Catholic Church aligns a lot more with all, a lot of these issues than my non-denominational church. And then eventually it was all of Protestant churches. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen, like I said, I have visited countless denominations and non-denominations and i've seen them eat bread i've seen them eat little cubes i've seen them eat like wafers i've seen them eat like crackers i've seen grape juice i've seen wine i've seen water i've seen literally everything across the board i even had uh i talk about i think i talk about this in my video on the eucharist where i went to one uh non-denominational church and they had these um these plates uh and they the the pastor put them on the ground on the altar and he's like oh communion's over there on the floor if you want some if you don't that's fine but if you want some just go get it no biggie i was like are you kidding me (laughs) i was like clearly it means absolutely nothing here like can you imagine if that happened in a catholic church it's like so sacred in the catholic church and i was like i've been to churches where it's like, you know, WWE, you know, the pastors like, like these, I guess, deliverance ministry churches, you know, they're like, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And he gets up on a chair and puts his, trying to push the guy's head down and come out of him. It's like a big show. I'm like, 
I actually was like, I was going to leave, but I'm enjoying this. Like, this is funny. Um, and it's like, and the guy who's telling, he's like, you told Jesus you wouldn't sin again, but you have sinned again. If you ever sin again, he will never forgive you again. I was like, oh, now I have a big problem with what you're saying. Because now you're damaging this guy as if Jesus, Jesus told us to forgive 70 times seven. He's going to forgive infinitely more because he's infinite mercy. I was like, you pastor are wrong. You know, and I've, I've had many discussions with pastors and other people. And again, I digress, but I just, I get what you're saying. You know, I, I, it's all, it's all across the spectrum. Yeah, no, it is. And I think that's something that a lot of people in my generation, especially, although they may be, be drawn to this non-denominational type, you know, service, I think they're starting to kind of realize that, which is because it's fun. It's easy. Yeah. So I think they're starting to realize the division and hopefully that's going to lead them our way <laughs> into the path of Rome. Um, so, yeah. I've almost weekly, almost daily. Sometimes we have people coming into the Catholic church and they're like, thank you for your ministry. You know, thank you for what you do. You know, Oh, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have known, you know, and we've looked up what you've said and we've done more research and, you know, it blew our minds, you know, whatever it is. Um, people are really starting to see, um, I think what you said was actually right on. People go there and they like it and they feel accepted. I feel accepted when I go there. Are you kidding me? Catholic, would that the Catholic churches would be more accepting like that? But we have more than 30 people in our church, you know, and I'm poking fun. But, you know, some of these churches only have 30 people. It's easy to care for everyone. It's easy to greet everyone. Everyone knows everyone. My fam, my church has 4,000 families, not 4,000 people, 4,000 families. So we're talking probably more than 10,000 people in my Catholic church alone. Like there's just no way you can have that same kind of community. You can't give lunch to everybody <laughs> afterwards, like those little small Protestant churches do, unless you're going to spend like hork out thousands of dollars to do so. So yeah, do Catholic churches need to be more welcoming work on that? Yeah, they do. Is it going to be like a Protestant church that's super small and they all know each other? No, it's not. But again, do we have those things? Yeah. I mean, if you, we have parties in the Catholic church, we have gatherings in the Catholic church, we have cookouts in the Catholic church where hundreds and even more people come after mass. But the mass itself is to worship Jesus Christ, not to chat and feel good. And I think that's what people miss sometimes. You know, they, in this me, me, me culture and what I get out of it, I think they're missing that it's not about you. It's about, <laughs> it's about Christ and giving everything to Christ. Exactly. And, I, and I'm so glad you brought that up because, um, I mean, I know a lot of people that, again, left the Catholic Church because they were drawn to these churches that were more entertaining and... They are like the Catholic Church is boring. And when they're not, when they're not explained the mass and they're not explained why we do these things, you know, why, why do we go to confession, right? And why do we receive the Eucharist and, and what do we believe about the Eucharist and the mass and stuff like that? They're not explained that by their parents. Um, they might not be explained it properly in confirmation classes by their parish, whatever it is. And so they find it all boring and then they, you know, then they leave. And it is that whole type of thing. You know, that's exactly what I thought, you know, oh, is this going to spiritually nourish me? Is this going to, you know, follow my view of the Bible and stuff like that? And it's just, it saddens me because I think there's a lot of these people that think that way, but they don't realize, they don't realize what that entails. They don't realize kind of the underlying pride behind it. And maybe they're not even trying to be prideful. I don't no. think a lot of them are because I think a lot of them do love Jesus and they want to know mm -hmm. him and, and worship him. And For so sure. I think, yeah, that's, I think it, it's up to us now to kind of bring that to their attention. 
Like, look, it's not about you. Worship is not about you. The primary end is to give to God. It's not to give to you. Um, and so we shouldn't be judging. The problem is, last thing I'll say, but the problem is they'll say, oh, you know, I didn't see the fruits exemplified. I didn't see any fruit in this church, in the Catholic church, which is why I left to this Protestant church. And there was a lot of fruit there. There was a lot of, you know, virtue and holiness and stuff there. But again, I don't think they're understanding, like you can't judge, you can't necessarily judge the truth of a denomination or the truth of a church off of, you know, people there off of kind of, I don't know. These kind of subjective things, if that makes sense. We made a whole long video on that topic, uh, which I'll link here just for fun or at the end if I forget. Um, but it's called Who Has True Worship, Protestants or Catholics? And it wasn't meant to be, you know, an attack on Protestants. It's just that so many people leave the Catholic Church and they say, oh, well, I was fed there. You know, that's where I found the real fruit. The Catholic Church doesn't bear fruit. And so we went into what is fruit? What fruit are we talking about? And then I talked about how they go to a church and they, it bears fruit for them and they just love Jesus for about three months. Then it doesn't align with them anymore. So they go to a church that bears fruit for real. And then that one doesn't align with it anymore and they want to go someplace out where they feel fed you know and so they again it goes back to that church hopping thing but again what is the fruit there's many many i mean the catholic church has the fruit of truth which was given by jesus christ himself we have the fruit of the eucharist the fruit of the sacraments everything that christ gave us as opposed to each pastor making it up as he goes along and you know one a lot of pastors have been becoming catholic because they're saying well i'm going to go to judgment day someday and how do i know my interpretation of the bible is right down as opposed to joe schmo pastor down the street or bob bob down the street again or bobby bob bob down the street a little few blocks further we're all preaching from the Bible, but we all disagree with each other. And so a lot of people are starting to look deeper at that. You know, when he talks about, well, first of all, when it talks about bearing fruit, Jesus is talking about false prophets and false teaching primarily, not like, oh, I feel good. <laughs> so I think we have to uh, uh, think about that. Um, before I go on to my last questions, uh, I just <clears throat> make a selfless, shameless plug here for uh, our listeners. If you haven't checked out our website, thecatholictruth.org forward slash shop to get, if you want to be a walking billboard for Christ, check out our merch. We have a lot of different uh, shirts that you can wear that people will say, whoa, you're Catholic? And you say, absolutely. And it's a great conversation starter. And uh, we have many more designs coming. So if you want to check those out, check out our website. Um, so Emily, you entered the Catholic Church and you have studied a lot. You love your faith. Um, what is the biggest difference that you've noticed since you have entered the Catholic Church? Like the, the difference between maybe Catholic worship or Protestant or just Catholics and Protestants in general, just your general feeling overall toward it. Yeah. So I think probably the biggest thing is that is realizing the sanctifying work that God does in our ordinary tasks in our ordinary day. Um, and I think that I definitely, you know, I didn't strictly hold this view as a non-denominational that it was like, okay, I'm going to set aside this time for God. And this other time is for me. Like that wasn't exactly what I was thinking, but I think uh, or, or what I was intending to do. But I think that's kind of maybe a little bit of how I was thinking of God. Um, but then, you know, looking into how the church teaches, you know, in our day to day life, this is like a form of prayer to God that we can offer to God, right? In my schoolwork, in our careers, even in, you know, when when someone is married and they're a wife or a husband or a mother and a father, that work itself is sanctifying. That work, you know, that work leads us closer to Christ. And that's God's means of of kind of making us holier, drawing us to him and making us saints. Um, 
And so I think that took a profound, that was like a profound difference now in how I view God and how I view day-to-day life with him is that, you know, all of my, all of the work that I do, all of the things in my life, these are things that God has placed there. These are things that God has included in his plan for me to be more like him, for me to know him. And um, I think the Blessed Virgin Mary and, you know, the church's view of her and motherhood and all of those things that, you know, just kind of helped me to shift my whole view about that because, yeah, I just, I didn't think that way before. And it's so, it's so beautiful. Um, the other thing is that I, I think as a non-denominational myself, I believe this. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of Protestants that kind of think this way. Like Jesus suffered and died, so I don't have to, right? Jesus took all <laughs> that on, so I don't have to do that. Um, and now, right, I think it was Tim Staples that said this. Um, Jesus didn't suffer and die, so I didn't have to. Jesus suffered and died so that my suffering and dying could be made salvific. Um, that just completely, you know, changed astronomically my view of the, of Christian living because for so long I just thought about Jesus did this for me and it's good that they emphasize that it's good that they emphasize Jesus did that for me right but they didn't emphasize enough what I what I have to do now and so now understanding that and understanding okay it's my part now to carry my my cross it's my time now to suffer and take on these sufferings so I can be like Christ that has just changed my spiritual life completely so that's the biggest I know, it's thing like this you know central message is pick up your cross and follow me. He who does not pick up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I mean, there's several, even a couple of weeks ago, I I may have even made a TikTok video on this. I think last week, Paul said that he enters into the sufferings of Christ so that he could be unified with Christ. He took on these sufferings and he offered them up as gifts of love to Christ so he could be unified with him and receive his power in return. And just this, the theology of just suffering and redemption and being united to Christ in whatever circumstances you're in in life is extremely powerful and deep, I find, in the Catholic Church and just in the tradition and the history of Christianity. Um, so I think those are two really good points that you uh, that you have. Yeah, no, and, and not that, and again, I'm not trying to generalize for any Protestants listening to this. Sure. I'm not trying to generalize all Protestant churches view it that way or teach that or anything like that. That's just how I was taught. And that's kind of my, my perception of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's just drastically changed, which I think is so good because it's, it can be so easy to divide these things, right? This is my Christian time. This is my time where I go to church, where I read the Bible. And then this is my other time where I have all this other work that kind of distracts me from my Christian living, which that's not how it is, right? That is supposed to, that's supposed to be also us kind of living the Christian faith as well, um, which is why, I mean, Jesus became incarnate in the first place to live like we do. So basically what you're telling me is that you worship Mary now because you're Catholic, right? <laughs> I've heard that so many times it, it, at this point, it doesn't phase me, you know? Is that what you hear uh, the most on TikTok? Like what are some of the objections you hear the most on your TikTok? Yeah, so certainly it's worshiping Mary statues, um, which statues are fun because I I actually this is this is this is so funny. But I was talking to this guy about um, having images, and they always they always they always assume graven images are just any statue or picture you have. So right, I actually exactly. got this. I actually got this guy to say that maybe he needs to take down all the pictures of his family in his house because those are graven images, and he shouldn't have them. Because his standard for a graven image was so low. It was just like an image of somebody. 
And so it's so sad. It's so sad that there can't be a lot of nuance among people on TikTok, which yeah. I mean, you know, people on TikTok, unfortunately, they a lot of them aren't seeking truth. They're just seeking arguments. And so it's so true. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's unfortunate. But I think um, I think people going on live, especially and kind of hashing it out with other people with like hundreds of people watching it. I think that's a good way to humble to humble people in general, humble me, humble other people debating because they're like, wow, all these people just heard me make that point. Maybe it was a stupid point or something like that. Um, so maybe that's a good thing that's coming out of it. I I don't know how you get people to debate. I always ask people and they always say no. Even if they're yelling at me, screaming at me, Catholic Church is stupid, you know nothing, you're brain dead. Well, then just come discuss these things on our podcast. Oh, well, no, I wouldn't discuss. I'm not, no, I w- you're not wasting my time. Well, you know, like, it's just, they're not intellectually honest. They like to yell, they like to scream, but then when they can't put their money where their mouth is, sadly. And, um, you know, anyone who's seen our debates online knows that they're very charitable, very loving. It's not yelling at anyone, not getting all heated or anything like that. They're just loving. But I agree with you. There's anyone can sit behind a computer screen and copy and paste a response for here and there. But can, can you really defend your faith, you know, online you know, in person? Do you have enough knowledge to know what you're talking about? Or you just keep cutting and pasting those files on your phone to different, you know, threads? <laughs> yeah, um, actually, that's, uh, this happened recently. So I was just in the mall. And I there was a Jehovah's Witness table booth set up. So I went and talked to them. I've, I've been like in the train station. And there there was like a Presbyterian guy preaching. And I went up to him and I talked with him. So I, I love the interaction on TikTok because it actually has helped me be at least more confident and also just like, I mean, I'm not typically the type of person to just walk up to somebody and start talking to them. And so that really has like helped me to just kind of like go out of my comfort zone and be like, hey, oh, are you a Presbyterian? Oh, let's let's talk about this. Like, so TikTok has definitely helped me in person, like kind of defending the faith. But on, sadly, you don't really get those opportunities much. Um, and so TikTok is really the place to kind of, I don't know, meet people to talk about these issues, but, um, you hear everything. Yeah, you do. And I think that's good because, uh, you know, you can kind of get a sense of, okay, these are the reasons why people aren't Catholic. These are the biggest problems they have. How can we explain this? How can we, you know, make this something that they could, that they can accept, um, and explain it in that sense. So, um, I think, I mean, I do a lot of, I try to do a lot of um, reading in general, just because, I mean, I love learning about the faith. I I love um, how rich the Catholic faith is. I previous, you know, I, in general, even as a non-denom, I like, I, I really take learning seriously. I love learning. Um, but as a non-denom, I didn't have all these resources. I didn't have, I didn't even know about philosophy I didn't know about philosophy. I didn't know about all the arguments that so many great philosophers have um, used in order to kind of reason about God's existence. Um, I didn't know about any of this stuff. And so becoming a Catholic, I was like, uh, my deacon said this, and I really like this analogy because he also converted uh, or reverted back from being a Protestant. But it's like being dropped into the into the middle of an ocean, right? This vast sea of knowledge. Um, now, as you enter into the Catholic you know, faith, um, that's kind of how it feels. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm so thankful that the faith has this intellectual tradition to it because I just, I love that. And I think, you know, that's kind of what God 
wants for his um his church. So yeah, um it's not it's, I, have, I try to uh, oh awesome. I, I have uh yeah <clears throat> so on the other side of my library, which you can't see, but this is just one volume of five volumes for people of the Summa Theological. Like if Protestants ever discover Thomas Aquinas, their minds are like absolutely just blown, like sky high. And um, this is volume four, but just when you open it, it's like, oh, proofs for the be- existence of God. Then who is God? How do we know God? And unlike people today, Thomas Aquinas doesn't take the weakest arguments and attack them and ignore the most strongest. He takes the strongest arguments of all pagans and uh, non-Catholics and he answers them. And uh, But it really, it's a defense of God and Christianity. And each one is like, what? A, I don't even know. A lot of pages. Really? Uh, I think over 2,000. I don't know how many pages it is. It looks like it's a lot of pages. But there's a lot, there's probably like 800 pages in each book, and there's five volumes of that. I challenge anyone who wants to see just some of the intellectual ocean of the Catholic Church to check out these. I mean, there's other huge brains too, like St. Augustine and um, Bonaventure and many others. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, is Aquinas' Summa was just like an introduction, an introduction into, and I'm like, oh my goodness, the fact that that was an introduction, what, like uh, 600 years ago or something. Right. And now today, giving that More like to a somebody. thousand years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's <laughs> fine. I think he lived in the 12. I think he lived in the 1200s um, or the 1100s. But um, I'm the same way. I read I added with my master's degree. I had to read Aquinas. I'm like, people understand this. Like, it took me a while to adjust my mind to philosophical words and reasonings and understandings. And um, it's tough. It's like deep. Every word means exactly what it's intended to mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's very good. I think if you are somebody that takes learning, that takes um, just intellectualism seriously, please look into the Catholic Church. I mean, I meet a lot of the people that are really into philosophy typically are Catholic, Orthodox, or I mean, sometimes you'll meet the occasional like high church Anglican or Lutheran. Um, and then they'll like agree with a lot of Catholic stuff, like all the Marian dogmas and stuff like that. And I've even met some that actually hold the deuterocanonical books of scripture, which is always funny to meet Protestants that do that. Um, but yeah, so for anyone listening, if you take that seriously, please look into the Catholic Church, look into Aquinas. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. William Lane Craig? He, uh, yeah. He's one, of, he's one of the biggest Protestant uh, debaters, and he's really, really, really good. He debates all the atheists, and I've never seen an atheist beat him and uh he just kind of destroys all the atheist arguments and then i recently found out that he was trained uh in the aquinas tradition like in the thomistic uh tradition so he studied he went to a catholic school i didn't know this he studied aquinas and this is kind of where he got a lot of his stuff it's like makes sense now um so tell people about your tiktok tell people about where they can find you and oh by the before you do that i know some people aren't on tiktok who are watching this and that's okay because we are taking our tiktok videos every other week or so we're taking our best ones and we are putting them on our YouTube. We're making like a montage of TikTok videos. So if you don't have TikTok, you can still see our videos on our Catholic truth YouTube channel. But if you do have TikTok, where can people find you? Tell us about your TikTok. Yeah. So you can find me at catholic.converts. Um, that's my username. I got that from my discord server, which also has the same name, but, um, yeah. And I post a lot of different videos on there. Typically 
I respond to a lot of Protestant videos that come on my page that people tag me in that are either <laughs> saying things that are incorrect about Catholicism or even kind of making their own positive claims about Protestantism and then me pushing back on that. Um, but I also make videos defending, you know, Catholic views on intercession of the saints and why do Catholics go to confession from a biblical and historical standpoint um, and things along those lines. So if you're just She also looking- does live TikTok nights as well, <laughs> where she answers questions. She also has live debates on TikTok where I heard her recently and she was quoting early church fathers and scripture and all over the place. And you know, she does a lot. Yeah. If you want to see me debate grown men in their forties about Christianity, <laughs> feel free to follow me and you'll see that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite enjoyable. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing your story. I know there's a whole lot more to it and I know you've studied the faith a lot and I just love uh, so many of the young people today are coming into the church and not just coming in, they're studying their way and they're researching their book after book, video after video, um, reading the earliest church, reading the earliest Christians for themselves. That's amazing. And so uh, I'm really glad that you found your way home to the Catholic faith. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with us on this uh, video. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting me. Thank you for the invite. And um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. So I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I have too. Amen. And um, thank you all for checking us out as well for watching and or for listening on our podcast. And uh, check out Emily's um, TikTok below. I will link it down below and her Discord if she would like. And she sends me that. And um, uh, make sure to check out our Instagram and our TikTok and our Facebook and all of our other platforms as well. Make sure to check out our Patreon and PayPal if you want to support us. And if you want to check out our merch and you would like to be a walking billboard for Jesus Christ and Catholicism, check out our website, thecatholictruth.org. And finally, if you would like us to come to your parish to give an event, confirmation retreat, parish mission, apologetic seminars, or anything else, hit us up on our website, thecatholictruth.org. God bless you all. May God bless you all richly. Hi everyone, my name is Kate. I'm the video editor here at Catholic Truth, and I just wanted to say on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for taking some time to watch our videos and learn more about your faith. You guys really make this channel possible, and we truly appreciate you being here. So thanks again, and God bless.